Maggie, I've got a question for you. Yeah, Eric, go. I know that you have an extensive and storied history of crime, so what I'd like to ask you is what is the best way to escape prison? Well, when I did it, it was sort of like a, you know, sort of a spoon in the cake situation. You know, I had someone send in a cake with the spoon, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Grand Budapest style. It actually works contrary to popular belief. So, you know, and then it just a takes A classic, but I'm and... afraid you were incorrect, Maggie. The best so. way is helicopter. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies. My name is Eric McAdams, and this is a podcast about incompetence. For every episode, I tell a friend of mine and the listener a story from history involving massive incompetence. Today, my guest is three-time returning guest, Maggie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a visual joke, so listeners aren't going to get it. Maggie looked like she was about to do a big yell, but then she remembered that her mic records kind of loud and stopped. <laughs> So already, this tells you a lot about Maggie. She's very conscientious as a podcast guest. Oh, man. Yeah, so for three, be, being on three times, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Still have a lot to learn, clearly. You stopped yourself <laughs> just in time. Just in time. Yeah. It's the mark of a pro, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, no, I have much to learn in the, in the realm of podcasting. Um, so I'm glad to be here, Eric. <laughs> I'm glad you're here too, Maggie, because it's been a while since we had you on here. Yeah, it has. It has. Uh, yeah, last time was in the throes of final season in a sure semester was. or so. It sure, take us through your mindset at that point, because all I'm saying is if I took something in final season, if I did, if I did a podcast, I mean, it would be bad. Oh, I mean, I was grateful for the break, honestly, because I'd just been going, go, you know, it's it's the way of life. So it was actually a lovely, a lovely break. And now it's summertime, and I'm, like, chilling in, in Ann Arbor, and it's nice. And uh, so this is also, not that it's a break, but it's just a lovely thing to happen on a weekend. I'm very happy to be here at podcast. Yeah. We've got, a, we've got a different kind of Maggie. Last time it was, like, finals week stressed Maggie. This time it's relaxed Maggie. <laughs> summertime Maggie. Summer, summer, that's me. She's got a nice, cool little haircut. She's ready to go. Another visual that you can't see. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so the last couple times, Maggie, the first time I chose you, the first time you were on this on this podcast, I chose you because you were like the only person in my life who said they hadn't heard of Fire Festival. Right. And then I I realized like 15 minutes in that I heard about it, but I did not know as much about it as the detail that I was given. So mm-hmm. it was really astonishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. And then it did turn out that you had heard of it. And... Yeah. And you kind of did a nice little lie of omission. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't lying that much because I didn't know, like, I didn't know half of what you were telling me. So mm-hmm. um, it was very interesting to hear and about. And then, then the second time, uh, you you are an architecture student. Yes, sir. Still I am. I said I said you are. Uh, you're the present tense. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, I'm still, I'm still here. I made it. You know? yeah. <laughs> we're still doing it. Still. And you were in the middle of finals week for that, so naturally I did an architecture-themed episode. Yeah, it was great. We talked about game show prisons. Game show, 
not prisons. It was not. That's what we're doing now. Game yeah, show. Uh, no, no, for... it was. It was kind of a game show, just not prisons. Yeah, that was all in France. That episode. We're actually going to stay yes. there for this episode. Oh, excellent. Yeah, because I got so many comments on how good your French accent was last time. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I didn't prepare for that today, but I didn't prepare for it then either. So, but I was a lot more tired. We'll see how it goes. I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> I will make no promises. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, this should be a pretty quick episode because don't start out that way. Don't sell yourself short is, like is, that. I think it's going to be fairly quick, just because it's a pretty niche interest. You'll see what I mean. But in... it's in my interest, as you elaborated on in the beginning. So, mm. you know, crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you are a uh, criminal overlord and uh, kingpin. And that's why <laughs> yeah. I have you on this episode. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's all about the expertise. That's what I really try to play to. It's about, it's about learning from the best. Yeah. I'll make sure to uh, insert my two cents. <laughs> all right. You ready to start? I am. Redouane Faid was born in Creil, France in 1972 to Algerian immigrant parents. From an early age, Redouane had an interest in crime, having been influenced and inspired by American gangster movies and crime movies like Heat and Reservoir Dogs and others. Obviously, Heat and Reservoir Dogs did not come out that early, that came out later, but movies of that ilk were formative for young Redouane Faid. It's a good thing those are so factual and really reliable resources for yes, crime. Yes, yes. So. I'll, I'll tell you more about specifically his relationship to Heat in a second. <laughs> his first crime was stealing food from a supermarket. That's how it all starts, man. <laughs> By age 12, he was known as the Terror of Crail. <laughs> wow. Wow. I thought, you know, that's, that's a title. I want to be the Terror of Crail. Right? Damn. He would. He soon graduated to stealing cars, and police noticed that he didn't care about the monetary gains of his theft. He was really just in it for the adrenaline. When you say that, I just picture like two cops chilling over coffee. You know that guy? He's not in it for the money. He's not about it. He just likes stealing cars. They all talk like that. <laughs> yeah, that fourteen-year-old. He's all about the adrenaline. He's a risk taker, a thrill seeker. You want a donut? Yeah. Oh, boy, I love our hometown of Crail, France. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All, all cops speak this way. Yeah. <laughs> he graduated in the 1990s to bank robbery. Ooh, that's and good. The movie Heat specifically inspired him to rob an armored car. Okay. Robbing Again. armored cars became his signature move, and he had himself a crime spree with a gang of seven or eight members during this time. Well, then that makes me question a lot of the research they put into armored cars, because they seem to, you know, they can. Bombs can explode and they they last, but they can't. They can be broken. I don't can't guess withstand Red One. Can't withstand Red One. That's what. Yeah. That's what his gang seven and or eight actually, gang members would say. Uh, he he later in his life got the chance to meet the director Michael Mann, the director of Heat. Oh. And he said to Michael Mann, "You were my technical advisor for this. You were the one that showed me how to do it." Wow. So, oh, wow. So it was accurate. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And he also said crime would go down by half if there were no movies. Huh. Interesting. Did you see Ocean's 8? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. I was like, when she went up to the cash register with the with the unbought item of perfume, whatever, she's like, I'm returning this. It's unopened. Mm-hmm. And she just walked away with it. I was like, wow, people must do that all the friggin' time. <laughs> and that's why you started stealing perfume. 
I mean, I mean, I thought I was the only one doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was so, you know, accessible. But now crimes, movie... crimes, crimes. Yeah, that's Maggie. Gosh. That's Maggie's middle name. <laughs> Maggie C C C C or yeah. M M C C C or my my initial. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie, crimes, crimes, crimes. That's what they call her. Oh, right. So he went on this whole crime spree, right? <laughs> he then went on the run to Switzerland and Israel, but was eventually caught in 1998 and sentenced to 30 years in prison. What? How many Swiss bank accounts did he rob in Switzerland? I don't know, but he robbed at least a few in France. I can tell you that much. He also says that while he was in Israel, he disguised himself as an Orthodox Jew, learned Hebrew, and learned a lot of combat stuff. He is crafty. He is he is well, out to get He also out. said that. Let's not take him at his word. That's true. I'm too trusting. That's why. <laughs> I just, I, any kind of thief, you know, I assume they're not lying to me because I am their right. boss. Great, <laughs> right, you know. Because like, if they lie, they get killed. So that's, you know, they know that. That's, so that's, that's why how I it works. Sorry. So I just assume yeah. they're speaking the truth. I got a lot of people working under me, Eric, and it's, all, it's a very well-oiled system. So. Yeah. He was released after 10 years uh, on, on parole. Good behavior. Uh-huh. and then he wrote an autobiography in 2009 in which he claimed to have given up his life of crime that's a good way to yeah well did people care did anybody buy it yeah he wrote an autobiography it's still on sale i think you can get it on like amazon to this day to this day since 2000 2009 that was like 10 years ago i believe it was like the uh, there was a subtitle robber from the projects to organized crime that's the full title in French. From the pro- okay, okay, in French, huh? From the projects, as in like from a not so great area, or from planning things? I guess from Crail. <laughs> the terror of Crail was speaks. the projects. I don't know. Yeah, so he says he's giving up his life of crime, right? Right. He says he's given all that up. He was mm-hmm. soon suspected in connection to an armed robbery. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, he that's was... how you got to do it. You got to announce that you're done. Yeah, he was. So he was suspected in connection to it. I don't think he actually did it, but he was mm-hmm. then caught breaking parole in 2011, and with that, the suspicion of the other thing, he was sent back to jail in 2011. Okay, makes sense. In 2013, Redouan Faid orchestrated his first prison escape. All right. Yeah, in which he used explosives to get through the prison doors and take four wardens hostage. The escape was successful. He got out of prison, but he was caught a month later and sent back to jail. Wow, that is so Wild West. That is so, like, I have a cigar that's going to (laughs) explode. That's awesome. Uh, He was sent back to jail, but that's not the one we're talking about. We want to talk about his second prison escape. Okay. which, Which occurred just this year in 2018 recent you always give me the recent ones <laughs> yeah this is yeah but this is what brought this to my attention this whole story uh-huh in 2018 on july 1st of this year three of faid's accomplices hijacked a helicopter at an airfield near the rayo prison more accomplices caused a diversion at the prison entrance while faid was in the prison yard While the guards were distracted with the diversion, the helicopter flew over the yard, landed, and picked Faid up, making their escape. That is so conspicuous. I'm still getting spoons and cakes. This guy's got a helicopter. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Sometimes you gotta be obvious. Sometimes you gotta do a smash and grab. You just land the helicopter, take off with the helicopter. What kind of diversion was it? Was it like... I don't know, but it involved guns. Was it a dance? Okay, it was a dance with guns. I do not believe, however, I do not believe that anyone was killed in this escape attempt. All right. Which is part of why I'm into this story. 
Right, the way, well, because you have to always keep it PG. You might think that this was a unique and innovative way to escape from prison. But it's not? You would be wrong. Oh my. I am currently looking at the Wikipedia page that is a list of all prison escapes involving helicopters. That's phenomenal. There is an entire Wikipedia page for this. Oh my gosh, wow. It makes special note of French helicopter prison escapes. Really? Since 1986, there have been... No, sorry, excuse me. 1981, there have been 15 attempted prison escapes involving helicopters in France, and 11 of them have been successful. That's a pretty good percentage. Wow. Right? Right? That's not bad. These French and their helicopters, they have all the power. <laughs> Delete that. That wasn't very good. <laughs> it's staying in, buddy. <laughs> oh, shit. No way I'm taking that out. Helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, just think about that. Like, literally, in this Wikipedia article, which is entirely about prison escapes involving helicopters, it literally goes, it literally has, like, a little paragraph where it goes, like, they're, like, the record for helicopter escapes from prison belongs to France, because there were 11 successful ones. Wow. Huh. Well, I've never been in a French prison, so that's why I haven't been informed. Okay, Wow. He got picked up by this helicopter mm-hmm. after this diversion. Yes. And but then he got caught or he didn't get caught. We'll we'll check back in with him later. We're going to oh, okay. cuz this episode is about the prison escapes involving helicopters in France. We're going to run down the most Perfect. interesting ones. Excellent. I'm ready. Cuz I mean, you can't have 15 of them without me wanting to know about all of them. I want yeah, I want to know about all of them as well. I'm here with you. Yeah. There are a few common themes that run through a bunch of them, because there are only so many ways you can use a helicopter. (laughs) It goes up and down and hovers. It does hover. I think hovering must be key. This is true. And I mean, yeah, that's why airplanes wouldn't work. Yeah. So like in 2009, the cult leader, Giuliano Verbard, did pretty much the same thing as Redwan Faid, having three accomplices hijack a helicopter and pick him up in the prison yard. Uh, he was, uh, arrested for assaulting children, I believe, so... Oh, we're keep pretty, him there! Yeah, we're pretty happy that he was quickly recaptured just a month later. Yeah, get to, why does he have so many accomplices? He shouldn't have any friends. Because he was a cult leader. Hmm. Oh, cult, yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how it works. Maggie Crime Boss is actually a little squeamish about cults. Hey man, I don't mess with cults. I I got I got people, but they're all there of their own volition. We're not, you know, we're not culty. They can leave if they want. There, own, a, lot, a lot of people in cults are there of their own volition. That's true. That's weird. <laughs> no answer. I haven't thought a lot this. about cults. <laughs> you clearly have not watched the documentaries I have. Oh God! Why are you watching those? Why would you not watch cult documentaries? Because I go outside, Eric. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sorry. That's my go-to. Like, why haven't you seen this movie? Why haven't you seen that movie? Because I go outside. Sounds like sounds like you have to answer that question a lot, Maggie. I do. We talked about this in the first episode. I live under a rock, yeah. but when I when I'm not under the rock, I am outside. Uh huh. <laughs> not seeing movies or documentaries yeah yeah nope just don't do it no nah. that's maggie's nah. advice for life do crime first <laughs> second don't watch any movies or documentaries no no well okay so if movies are such a good sort well but clearly i'm missing out because if movies are such a good source of you know crime knowledge i gotta i gotta catch up on some films 
I'm too busy committing the crimes to watch the movies about them. <laughs> There's a Netflix documentary series called Wild Wild Country. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the actual filmmakers behind it, but uh-huh. it's a good documentary series. Hmm. Is it about... Is it's about the West? It's about the, it's about the Rajneeshi cult that... Uh, oh my dis- gosh, yes! I heard about that. That descended that upon Oregon. <laughs> descended is, the, is a good verb for that, Yeah. yeah. I heard about that documentary, and then SNL did a spoof of it, which is quite good. But oh, you wait! I'm sorry. You you won't you 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 <laughs> sneer at watching actual cult documentaries, but you've seen the SNL parody sketch. I don't. Do, do, do you think I sneered? I, I didn't mean to sneer at watching documentaries. Bit. The, the go just... outside comment was a little sneery. <laughs> it's just because I have to defend myself that I don't like to 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 watch movies, <laughs> so I get oh. defensive immediately. <laughs> a lot of mechanisms built in here. I so, respect that you watch documentaries and you're more informed than I am. Okay, all right, maybe. <laughs> Thank you for flattering my ego. Most uh-huh. of these successful attempts involving helicopters involve this same method, either mm-hmm. uh, usually hijacking a helicopter and then landing in the prison yard or on the roof of the prison. Uh, there was yeah. one in 2005 where two men rented a helicopter ostensibly to do some backcountry skiing. Uh, and then while the pilot was, skiing. while the pilot was flying in there, they pulled out guns and forced him to land in the Iton prison. Nice. Uh, the same thing happened in 2001, minus the whole skiing excuse. <laughs> We're not wasting any time. We want this helicopter for a prison escape. Go. <laughs> what would be your reason for renting this helicopter if you're using it for a prison escape, Maggie? To break my buddy out of prison. You just yeah, tell them, look, him. I'm going to break someone out of prison. Then they'd like laugh and think you're joking and like, haha, you're so charming. And then you leave with the helicopter. Right, right. You know, no, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But like, I also, you know, I don't like to lie. You got to we'll keep get, it honest. We'll get more into the not hurting people in a second. But first, we're going to take a break for another show, uh, for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. We're not going to just show a whole show right now. Hello, listener. Do you like a scare, a jump, a fright? How about Maine? How do you feel about Maine? If any of those words made your heart skip a beat, then I've got a podcast for you. King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my descent into terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. When I left off, we were talking about how you wouldn't want to hurt anyone if you organized one of these prison escapes. You know, not more than I have to. And uh, I regret to inform you that there is a recurring theme of the hijackers holding the pilot's family hostage. Oh, that's rude. Or at least pretending to. That's better. Okay. That we'll is get... lying, but I can support that kind of lying. We'll get to the pretending to in just a second. Uh, oh. First, uh, Michel Vaujour was a criminal who had a whole gang around him. And and one of, one of his two prison escapes involving helicopters uh, involved them telling the pilot that they had his family hostage and them actually doing that. Hmm. Vaujour was imprisoned for a total of 27 years in his life. 
Well, for a total, but that sounds like it was split up quite a bit when you say that. Yes. <laughs> he attempted to escape prison five times. Nice. Twice involving helicopters. Nice. His second attempt held the pilot's family's family hostage, but the pilot's nice. wife alerted police and they stopped the attempt. Which is why you shouldn't actually take the pilot's family hostage, guys. Well, yeah. All right. Go, go wife. Go pilot's wife. Yeah, they thwarted the attempt and that was that. Excellent. The first escape attempt involving a helicopter with Michel Vaujour was much more famous because it also involved his wife, Nadine. Nadine Vaujour. Yeah. Nadine Vaujour studied for months how to fly a helicopter before breaking him out in 1986. When you say studied for months, I think they teach classes. And it probably wouldn't be that conspicuous. She She took classes? Or, yeah, either that, or she just learned on her own. I don't know exactly how she did it, but I don't it think you months. can, like, self-taught is never a good thing. I don't know if a self-taught helicopter pilot is someone I'd trust. Well, but she I did guess... it well enough to land the helicopter on the prison roof, while wow. Vaugh- while Michel Vaujour himself used a fake gun and nectarines painted to look like grenades to scare the guards into letting him up there. This one guard was like, hey, is that just a nectarine? And then, <laughs> then he, he got distracted. There's only one guard who realized that it was a nectarine. And then he got away. It would be pretty funny if, like, at the very end while he's getting on the helicopter, he, like, tosses the grenades back at them and, like, scatter, get down! And it doesn't and go it off. Goes, and like, it just splats well, on the roof. Well, that's fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yep, that's all you need. Just need some, you know, conspicuous fruit. That's yeah, how and the it turns out that this, this was the escape that popularized the method of using helicopters. Nice. Because it, it became very famous, you know, the wife learning how to fly a helicopter just to rescue her husband. Uh, he, he, they both yeah, went women to, power. They did both go to jail for this, but uh, well, it was, this story was turned into a film adaptation five years later. Really? Wow. And it was the one to popularize the whole thing. But it wasn't the first helicopter prison escape in France. This is what you're you're saying. It all comes back to film, crime, film. They're all they're all yeah. That's how, how it I mean, is. once something like this becomes famous, it kind of becomes part of the culture, and people think like, oh, one of the ways you can escape prison is by using a helicopter, and mm. that's and that's I think why it became so common. The world is full of surprises, so yeah, helicopter yeah. prison escapes, I guess, is no longer one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, at this point, it's like, the French people have all these stereotypes, like, they're known for baguettes, food, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> French people are known for baguettes, and they love when it's the first thing you say about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why aren't we talking about the fact that they keep escaping prisons in helicopters? I don't... <laughs> this is don't a vital know. part of French culture, and it should be celebrated as such. Well, we're starting now. Yeah. <laughs> this is where this is where it begins. Anyways, but this was not the first helicopter escape. This was the second one. Uh the second helicopter escape in France. The first one happened in 1981. Uh it was it was done by Gerard Dupré and Daniel Beaumont and right. whose accomplices told a pil- uh, a helicopter pilot that they had his family hostage. Haha. <laughs> but this time they were lying. They did not actually take the family hostage. <clears throat> That's good. That's good. I'm glad they didn't actually do that. <laughs> it does take out, you know, it does, it takes out a whole element. You know, it's a lot easier to lie and say, we have your family hostage. But, but then there's no, you know, it's uh, it's one fewer ball in the air. You know what I'm saying? One less thing to juggle yeah. when there's actually not one, a family. One less thing that can go wrong in the job. Right, exactly. The wife cannot call the cops if yeah. you don't actually have it. If she doesn't know what's going on, she just thinks her husband's off like flying a regular day. This is horrible. Why are we? <laughs> Expert crime advice from Maggie. 
Jesus. This is why I, no, this is why I brought you on here. Oh my god. <laughs> there are a few different escapes that kind of have multiple instances. Like it's a, it's like a, this the, this story that you can see develop in those Wikipedia page. Yeah. Leon Prison, for instance, had a pair of these escapes, and they were actually more proactive about stopping this because this is this is this is another reason why I. <laughs> wanted to talk to you an architect about this is because <laughs> if you've got people escaping via helicopter how do you stop that is there a design thing you can do yeah make it so that uh if you make the roof well i mean you have to like you could make the roof like not spiky but just not flat mm-hmm. um no place to land that'd be a good thing to do good old gable roof <laughs> on a prison you never see that um what about the yard though right the yard is difficult i mean i guess you'd have to like just yeah because you want you know they have to you gotta have them run around. You gotta like put a roof on it, or just put weird columns up, or something. Well, I don't know. The first time a helicopter landed in their yard and stole a prisoner away, uh, Leon Prison strung cables over the yard to prevent oh, it from yeah. happening again. Yeah, that's but good. it didn't work. Did it just crash through the cables? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did it land on the roof? There was another successful prison escape that happened in 2000 where a helicopter dropped a net down and prisoners grabbed oh onto God. it and were carried away. Of course. However, Duh. it wasn't 100% successful because one of the prisoners was shot dead by guards. Oh, okay. Should should mention that. I just still love this, like, like how are we going to get out? Well, we obviously have to use a helicopter, but there are cables. We'll bring a net that's how yeah. we do it. <laughs> this volley back and forth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's actually, I mean, yeah, and every, again, in film, every rescue, you know, man versus nature film, they all get rescued by like a rope from a helicopter. Yeah, that's super true. Yeah, the Mission Impossible Fallout just came out. Tom Cruise is on a, is dangles from a helicopter. In that you one. know I haven't seen that, but I'll believe you. <laughs> My favorite of these prison escapes is the one we're pretty much going to end on. All right. This is, is is a guy named Pascal Payet. I, Pascal. Yeah, I know. My buddy right? Pascal. He sounds like a comic book character already. Mm-hmm. A, he wa- Pascal Payet is a career criminal who was mm-hmm. convicted of assault, conspiracy, and robbing an armored car. He All was right. sentenced to thirty <clears throat> years for that last one, and he organized three different prison escapes using the exact same method each time, twice for himself and once for his friends. Nice. Yeah. He broke himself out of prison in 2001 and then came back for his friends in 2003. Yes. True friendship is breaking your friends out of jail with you. That's they what I They were all say. in the same prison and like literally like the first one, the thing landed in the yard, picked him up, got away. And two years later, he was like, can't just leave him there. Gotta go get him. Landed True the friendship. thing in the yard, got away with him. However, this proved to be a little arrogant as he and all his friends were caught three weeks later. Well, I don't know, but the you know the thought that counts there—that's a true friend. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> I respect this man, this this criminal. I respect this career criminal for breaking his yeah. friends out of prison. <laughs> yeah, he's your kin, Maggie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why haven't we met yet? <laughs> because of these two escape attempts, these successful escape attempts, by 2007, Payet was the most surveilled prisoner in France. And he wasn't even kept in the same prison for more than six months at a time. Wow. But was he the terror of Crail? He was not. 
There's only there's only one Terror of Crail. I just I just want to come back to the Terror. Of, I think that's hilarious. Anyway, yeah, we'll check we'll check in with him in just a second. But <laughs> so in 2007, he literally he gets moved from prison to prison, like at least twice a year, and he is also kept in solitary confinement most of his time, and he's also kept under constant guard. And he still organized another helicopter prison escape. I mean, what else are you going to do without spare time? Figure out how you're going get, to get the fuck out, you know? Yeah, this time he had four armed accomplices land on the prison roof and then broke him out of solitary confinement. Nice. In each of these escapes, the pilot was released unharmed. That's in, great. In Paye's schemes. Right? Right? These guys are great. <laughs> They're great, boys. and I love them. <laughs> He was, I believe he was recaptured, was Paye. Yeah, that's, pro- I mean, yeah, probably. Wow. So this, this is pretty much where our story ends. Uh, the terror of Krail, Redwan Faid, and his accomplices are still at large. All right, Redwan. Yeah, to this day, although they were seen outside Paris, but not caught. They were able to escape again. Redwan's hiding. Yeah. They saw him, right. and he got away. Nice. Well, anyway, Redwan Faid also is known for releasing the pilots unharmed because these guys are cool and cops suck. Well, that's, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Prison guards are the ones who are shooting the prisoners. These guys weren't doing anything. Admittedly, a few of these crimes did involve, like the original crimes, the one that sent them to prison. Yeah, they were, were probably like, not so great. <laughs> there was there were robberies that ended up like killing a guard or something. Oh, yeah. That's, that is the worst thing that happened, though, as far as I know, except for the cult guy he sucks cult guy he's yeah we're, we're gonna he's not good but sounds like Ridwan. he just he just liked you know stealing things was fun and it yeah, sounds Ridwan like he just likes being like a legendary criminal that's what he wants to be that's what he's always like wanted he's... to be and that's what he is you know what he is hashtag living his best life yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i agree with you unironically yeah <laughs> yeah the hashtag is with me always ironic but like truly it sounds like he's he, you know he's doing everything he's you know what he's doing better than a lot of us he is chasing his dreams <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and he's a dream he, he, he might have had to go to prison for 10 years to do it, but he is like living ex- he 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 uh he created an ideation of himself and he realized this idea. Yeah. You know what? I respect that notion. It's kind of a bummer that the notion that that's like, you know, robbing armed cars, but you know, I respect I respect the uh chasing your dreams. I unironically think he's a great dude. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the end of the French helicopter prison escape story. Nice. Wow, that's awesome. It, you're, you, you said this in the beginning, yeah, or before we started, there, there's a lot of competence there, not, not too much incompetence. But Yeah, it's just really the, the, the prisons. That's right. The fact right. that like, still... helicopters can just like land there and leave. Yeah, and like that is not a problem when you're, you know, when one is designing a prison, that is not a problem that you think about. Well, I bet it's one they think about in France now because it keeps happening. Yeah, yeah times. which is hilarious. It's that's hilarious. Yeah, and so not now every time did the helicopter just like land and pick someone up. There was one where they tried to drop weapons down to them in the oh, yard, wow. so they took that's people fun. hostage. This was right. not successful. They, they no. had a standoff that they then surrendered. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I like the attempt uh, as, a, as a criminal overlord myself. But um, well, you got to change it up. You can't have you gotta, every helicopter yeah. escape be the same thing. You know. Right. Interestingly, though, so in architecture school this fall, our our prompt sort of thing is quote places of power, 
I don't quite know what that means yet, but I'm kind of hoping that one of the studios does prisons. And so if that happens, I am 100% going to be planning to prevent helicopter escapes from my prison if I if I have to design one. So yeah. now I feel like, educated. Why is like your entire design devoted to preventing helicopter escapes? And I'll direct them to this podcast. Yeah, you just send them to this to this episode and be like, read and weep, buddy. Or yeah. listen and weep, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Or just send them the Wikipedia thing. Like, you see how many there are? You see how many? Yeah. <laughs> you see how many? You see how many successful prison escapes there were? Eleven in France alone. Yeah. If people in America got this idea, man. Oh, there are several in the United States. Oh, nice. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine huh. attempts. And, nine attempts. And seven were successful. Okay, so I would qualify that as, you know, enough of a, yeah, if I design a prison, it will be helicopter-proof. And I'll let you know yeah. what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta guard against this. I mean, yeah. how else are they gonna escape? There are a lot of ways, don't answer that. The, but like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm familiar with all the ways, except for helicopters, obviously. But uh... <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I could educate you on this so you can like expand your repertoire. Thank you, yeah, I've been looking for, you know, I've been doing the same thing over and over. I was looking for something new, so thank well, you. I've also got something that's kind of similar. We're also going to talk about another sneaky, crafty way to do crime and Excellent. and prevent it. Specifically, we're going to talk about espionage in World War II now. Yes. At the end of every podcast, I like to do a short story involving uh, competence in an absurd way, since I just spent this whole time telling you about a lot of incompetence. Although this one, I feel like that was just kind of a long pickle for the knowing ones. And anyway, you get a pickle anyways. <laughs> Yay. Because I'm Pickles. nice. This is the story of the exploding chocolate bar. <laughs> so, uh, you may not know this. It might be news to you. During World War II, there was a lot going on. What? Yeah. Alongside <laughs> all those, you know, battles, there were occasional moments of espionage. <laughs> notes, notes of espionage floated through the, anyway. Yeah. Intrigue, sneaky stuff, you know. <laughs> sneaky stuff. Yeah, I'm really working hard to set the stage here. To that end... It's set. <laughs> to that end, uh, the Nazis in World War II decided to attack the British in novel ways. One of these was chocolate bars. That's novel. I would describe that as novel. Innovative, even. German spies and engineers drew up plans to place bombs inside a variety of household objects. Oh. These included hairbrushes, canned food, army issue mess tins, even lumps of coal that would be used to heat the houses. What a weird, that's just where they put the like weird psycho dreamers. Like we need to do something with these guys. Design house bombs. Just go in your corner and think of things that can explode in houses. That's what they did. <laughs> all right. All right. We got a hundred household items. Tell me how to make them explode. They were just, that was busy work for people they didn't want to deal with. They, they come up with all these different plans to, to blow things up on the British people. One of the most famous is the exploding chocolate bar, which was apparently meant for the specific target of Winston Churchill. They, they, they drew up plans to sneak stuff into his food because he was known to eat, which is... Well, we're all you know, known like, to they eat. They knew that everyone ate, but like, I don't know. There, was, there were a lot of connections drawn to Winston Churchill because like, as everyone knows... He ate things. Oh, my God. None of the other British people. people. Nobody else ate things. They all just subsisted on air. So. I don't know why exactly Winston Churchill gets brought up a lot in this, but he was. 
And just in the last few years, we now have access to detailed diagrams of these booby traps, thanks to two men, Victor Rothschild and Lawrence Fish. <laughs> Lawrence Fish. Yeah, have you heard of the Rothschilds? I've heard of the Rothschilds, but I don't remember in what context. There, uh, I don't, I don't know a ton about them. Victor Rothschild, I'm sure he has some problematic stuff, like he was an advisor to Margaret Thatcher, so he can't have been all oh. good. <laughs> They're also, they were a powerful banking family and have been the subject of a lot of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories because of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's also that. There's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into them. Anyway, Victor Rothschild headed up mi five Sabotage and Explosives Department. <laughs> oh, nice. So he and uh, his small team took apart several German devices and intercepted plans for a lot more. Wow. Yeah, this is actually a story of how, like, the British dudes like got ahead of this because there aren't any stories, at least that I know of, of like chocolate bars killing people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. That's wild. He and his men took apart these and once they did, they wanted uh, records of them. Right. To, to, and because he thought maybe it would be a good idea to put them on posters so people would know what to do if they saw, you know, a chocolate bar with this kind of wrapper, that kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Lawrence Fish was the artist hired to draw the diagrams of these. Oh, cool. Yeah, and we we have them now because uh they were found in his widow's attic. They um they like they found a stack of drawings that they had and they're like, Oh, we didn't have these. Like <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what happened to these. We, we didn't have these. <laughs> Where were these? I'm in the in the chat. I'm going to send you a link to that so you can look at it. Okay. Let's take a look here. We didn't have these. <laughs> well, I figured you might get a kick out of this since you have to do drawings and shit for your That's my job. Career. I'm I'm majoring in drawings and shit. Yeah. That's that's what that's the technical term, I think. Drawings and shit and fine motor skills and spatial awareness. Death by chocolate revealed. The fiendish German World War 2 booby traps including a th wow. Th wow. <laughs> You were really into that accent until you got, like, actually impressed by this. No, but these drawings are beautiful. Look at that. Look at that folded over. Lawrence Fish. What a man. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Lawrence Fish did not draw an official sal salary for this. It's more likely Rothschild paid him directly. Um, huh. Or he did it for free. That's also possible. Yeah, um, for my country. He would, go, he, go, he would go on to have, I think, a successful career in art. He would, like, design posters and stuff. Yeah. Wow, these are beautiful. <laughs> these are beautiful. They are, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lump of... What is that? And there are also some, some photographs of some of yeah. these. <laughs> Shocking. German saboteurs also plotted to make a bomb disguised as a piece of coal. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Huh. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. I think this is... Well, yeah, I do... I wonder how much manpower they put on designing these things. I still think it was like, oh, Jens is super annoying. What can we make him do? Let's keep him busy. Let's make him design chocolate bars that explode. But it sounds <laughs> seems like it was pretty serious. Yeah, no, it it got pretty far along. And like, I don't know if the I don't I don't know if the chocolate bar was ever like put into production or something. Um, yeah. But either it was him working from diagrams of the Germans, or he actually was given like these devices to look at himself. That's true, yeah. <laughs> here's a here's a here's a chocolate bomb. We think it's you know not gonna explode, but uh, good luck. Draw it. Yeah, 
That's pretty much, and then like you saw that like the hairbrushes were definitely real, the tins yeah. of food were definitely real. Those all like yeah, actually had bombs in them. Anyway, yeah. that's the, that's the story of how you know British uh, British intelligence officers had to deal with like bombs inside household objects and did pretty well with them. That's pretty. I mean, yeah, you don't man, that is sneaky, sneaky stuff. Real sneaky stuff. Real sneaky stuff. This is a sneaky episode. <laughs> I just needed to do a hairbrush. I don't want there to be a bomb in it. Yeah, man. You don't expect that when you're buying a hairbrush. Man, I really like this new brand of hairbrushes, but they seem to have bombs in them. (laughs) A little snag. A little Yelp review there. I now possess half a face. (laughs) Three out of five. Three out of five stars. Three out of five stars. (laughs) All right, Maggie, you don't have anything on the internet you want to plug, right? No, uh, I stay away from the internet. All right, then I'll, I'll, I'll do mine real quick. My name is Eric McAdams. Thank you for listening to Big Time Whoopsies. You can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours. You can find my personal website, nocharacterissafe.com. You can find my other shows on the Major Cast Network, and you can find stuff I've written by searching my name. Thank you for being on my podcast, Maggie. It was a pleasure to have you as Hey, always. you're welcome. I love it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm glad I could give you, like, a more relaxed time. Oh, yeah, this time yeah. Instead of, like, in the middle of your finals week. No, I, I loved it last time too. Cause it was, again, it was a really nice sort of break. Like, Oh, let's chat with Eric. This is going to yeah, be great. I'm glad I can always give you more opportunity to do crimes. Cause that's right. what I want you to do. I want you to thrive, Maggie. <laughs> Thank you. I feel, you know, I am thanks to you. I really, you know, I just sit back in my like basement of crime. This is where it ends. <laughs> my basement <laughs> of crime. Ah, the legendary basement of crime. You know, it's my office, really, and I just think about other ways to... At this point in my career, I'm just, like, sort of making sure that crimes go well, but I do have to mastermind them, and so at this point, it's, like, pretty nice to uh, have some more... You know, helicopters is a whole avenue that I haven't pursued yet. All right, Maggie, time to say goodbye. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun. Stay nasty. And stay major.